are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and across the table from me finishing his coffee is... Wayne Randolph! And by finishing, I mean starting cup two. Three. Three. Yeah. Wayne, how you doing today? I am generally optimistic and tired at the same time. Perfect. Um, That goes really well (laughs) with what we're talking about today. Um, Have you ever heard of a golfer named Tiger Woods? I have. He's been in in the news lately. (laughs) Yes, he has. Um, Funny, this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but he actually, I believe he went to the high school that I was supposed to go to if I didn't go to private school. Down there in, in SoCal? In uh, in Buena Park. It would have been Savannah High School. Uh, mm. My brother went there. Who I, He's my half-brother, but he's full Filipino. Um, and the mascot of Savannah High School um, was the Rebels. Um, and the um, on his football jersey, there are two Confederate flags oh, on each goodness. shoulder. It's, so it's really funny looking at a, a Filipino dude with um, Confederate flags on his uniform smiling. Confused. Yeah, it's fun. Um, But Tiger. But Tiger Woods. um, He recently um, was in the news because he crashed his car or he was off on the side of the road. I I don't know all the details, um, but he was passed out. Yeah. Um, And it was assumed that there were some, some perhaps some alcohol involved. Yeah. But on further investigation. The pills, um, right? Maybe the pills. But either way, he fell asleep at the wheel. Hmm. Um, What is really interesting is that um, I think we uh, throw a bad rap on like drunk driving, which we're not condoning drunk driving. Um, (laughs) Don't drive drunk. Um, But um, driving drowsy is this huge thing um, that actually causes a lot of damage across our country. Um, This idea of drowsy driving. There are websites dedicated to preventing drowsy driving Hmm. because it it is so dangerous. It's a thing. Yeah. Why are we so tired? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was recently reading an article on um, ways to answer um, other than saying busy or tired. Um, there, there are like... When, I'm so guilty already. <laughs> when, when we're asked, hey, how you doing? It used to be that the default response was fine. Um, and I think we've grown in our authenticity a little bit. But now the default response is busy or tired. Right, because we want to be authentic with people. Right, exactly. So when we tell them how we're really feeling, which collectively we're all busy and tired. Right. It was kind of funny because this article was sort of trying to reverse or like re-engineer those statements in such a way that you can still answer authentically but not be so negative. And so you could say things, instead of saying busy, you could say, I'm having a productive day. Um, Or instead of saying, I'm tired, you can say, this particular project is taking a lot of energy from me at this time. Um, which no, I'm, reeks, I'm tired, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which um, today, what we really wanted to explore is this idea of not just tired, but there, there's a difference between when someone is tired um, and when someone is burnt out. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Wayne, do you have any experience, I mean, even personally or yeah. with other people being burnt? It's yesterday we submitted our semester two grades. Um, this is kind of burnout season. So um, how, how have you experienced burnout in the past? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing throughout the entire podcast, I'll keep coming back to, I, I have more than one example. The one that comes fresh to my mind, actually, just especially as teachers is our students. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things that we, uh, especially those of us who teach seniors, we use this phrase, you know, senioritis, right? Which, um, medically is the inflammation of the senior. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and the general symptoms are, um, apathy, selfishness, laziness, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm over it, eye rolls. And so, you know, I know one of the jokes, and and man, those of you teachers listening, man, chuck along with us, but we talk about our seniors in like the first month of school already having senioritis. And there's just kind of this, um, I don't want to say chip on the shoulder, but there's there's just this general attitude of like, I'm I'm done, I'm done, Mm -hmm. and just going through the motions. And we see that a lot in our students um, we, we find ourselves the last few months of school talking a lot about finishing strong right. and kind of that general that general conversation. And, and there's a little bit of it where I feel like we are saying it to ourselves as That's well. That's where I was going to go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, especially, you know, in, anybody who has had the opportunity to, to share the word in front of uh, a group of people, I mean, there, there seems to be this 
uh, often this time where we say things out loud from Scripture that are especially for us. And um, man, that seems to be resonating a lot at the end of this particular school year. Um, as I'm looking at my kids who are over it and having to recognize in myself um, that I too am somewhat over it and ready for yeah. that break. Um, and so that with that, that comes, I mean, there's kind of a lot of baggage to unpack and, and what do we do with it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I'm currently experiencing at least the tide. I don't know if I'm burnt out, right? But how about you? I think I think in the last I, last year was a pretty burnt out year for me. Um, I had a newborn at home. Yeah. Um, I just started up um, a a new spiritual life group here on campus, which um, ended up increasing the amount of things that I needed to administrate <laughs> um, here on campus. Um, and I also was finishing my master's degree. Um, and I, I also do youth director stuff for my church. Uh, so there were, there were a lot of proverbial yeah. irons in the fire, yeah. uh, that. And you're that, supposed to be a husband and a dad in the middle yeah. of all that. And, and that was one of the ways that I could, one of the indicators to me is that I, I wasn't really being a husband mm. or a dad or uh, there were aspects of my life that I just wasn't emotionally or relationally present for yeah. because of, because of the overcommitment. And then I, I would say that I was running on adrenaline for a really long time. Mm. Um, and then when those things dropped out and I had a chance to recuperate, I feel like that's when burnout really started to kick in. Mm. Um, because even though I wasn't as busy as before, it was really hard to be motivated to do anything. That's right. Yeah. The adrenaline was gone. Yeah. And w- what I, I remember in my, um, in my master's work doing some research into, um, fatigue, um, in the in the teacher world, and what's crazy is even if you do just a quick Google search, there are so many resources that mm. are aimed at educators in regards to burnout. Mm. Um, and that's not because it's a rare thing, but because it's such a common thing because among it's the norm. Yeah, among educators, there's an article um, written by Nick Provenzano. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong on Edutopia, um, but he he sort of narrows down these these four main indicators of teacher burnout mm. um, that I figure maybe we can kind of, I can throw them at you and see yeah, if yeah, we let's, let's talk them. So number one is isolation. Um, when we get burnt out, yeah. we stay in our rooms more. Yeah. Um, we maybe we have to appear for faculty meetings, but then we sort of drop off of the relational map, right? I feel like this is about to become a um, tell me about your mother and, and childhood <laughs> session because, man, that resonates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you you experienced any of that this yes, year? absolutely. And I, I'll definitely chime in a few. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I noticed that when I am exceedingly tired, there is the tendency to have the energy to go somewhere else and interact with other humans, um, whether they are teachers or even voluntary interactions with students. I remember when I had a lot of energy um, and my wife used to work here and with me, sometimes we would even go to the lunchroom just to sit and eat with the students mm. and, and when I am tired and burnt out, no way am I going near <laughs> right, that lunchroom. Right. Yeah. It says, says the huge grin on your face. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, the, the, the school environment that I came from before, you know, having the opportunity to work with you was really, really beautiful and healthy in the beginning. And then we, we, we went through some, some rough patches mm. And um, for whatever reason, that that stimulus and, and or all the different <laughs> things going on um, started an, an isolation funk for me. Yeah, and, um, and that's weird for you. I was because, just going to say, for the way that I'm wired, yeah, um, I'm with you. I, I it was I was always walking around the campus at lunch and, and talking to the students and just kind of finding out where they're at because we know that they're different. Right. Um, the minute they're out of our classroom, they're different. And so to to talk with them there, mm-hmm. it just seems to be more of a neutral environment. So um, I noticed that I was um, I wasn't kind of the the social guy with all the the community as well, and I'd find myself just kind of camping out in my classroom. Yep. It, walk into the microwave, saying hi, doing the 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 what do you call that? The water cooler talk. Yeah. Uh, the real shallow conversations with my colleagues and then just right back into my, into my, my room. Yeah. And the students that I was pouring into closely, um, they, they would come and visit me and hang out in there. Right. Um, but I, they actually were the ones that started to, to put it on my radar, hmm. um, that I was, I was beginning to isolate myself. And for me, it, it had to do with just, um, I didn't feel like I had the energy to either one be fake 
uh, and put on the face, or two, I didn't have the energy to invest um, to maybe fixing some of the stuff that was going on. And so, I, yeah, I allowed isolation to start. And then I don't know what these next three steps are you're going to bring, but I, I know the isolation is just the beginning right. for sure. And that the second point um, that he brings up in his article is that the isolation um, also leads into a a lack of sharing or a lack of collaboration. Mm, there it is. Right? When, when we're in faculty meetings or collaboration meetings or department meetings, um, uh, one of the main points is to have these new ideas. Here's what I'm doing in my class. Here's this technique that I've tried out. This is what my lessons have been looking at. Like, look at this new tool I found. Right. But when you are experiencing burnout, those conversations are not energizing. They yeah. don't give you hope. They don't give you any new drive to be a good teacher, but rather they, they sort of drain you. Yeah, if, if anything, once, once you kind of have that filter of burnout or isolate, whatever you want, you want to call it, um, yeah, you kind of interpret it through that filter, which then is, oh, great, more hoops to jump through. Right, exactly. Right? Um, Instead of look at this exci- exciting new app that they can use on their iPads, it's, yeah. oh, I n- now I have to learn how to do this as well. Yeah, the interesting thing that you brought up there too, and this, this is something I didn't realize as much as I was in the environment. I didn't, I didn't recognize it until I really got out of it. Um, but for a while there, in isolation, um, this, this lack of, of community, also like you're kind of saying there, it comes this lack of communication with mm-hmm. people around us. And, mm-hmm. and so at that point, um, it seems like us humans, and, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like us humans, we like to start to fill in the blanks in our mind right. and we get really creative imaginations about what's going on. And mm-hmm. um, it's very easy in the midst of burnout to start um, looking outward and pointing and saying it's their faults or mm-hmm. his fault, her fault, um, the students, just all those kind of things. And without community yeah. to kind of put you in check, um, man, how do you how do you actually maintain a, a realistic perspective right. <laughs> on what's going on? Yeah, and and for those of you who have taken the Enneagram, if you haven't, it's a it's a fun yeah. exploration of of our fundamental drives. Um, but for some people, they're more motivated by fear or anger. Um, and for those of those of us, I would say, as an Enneagram type three, who shame um, <laughs> is one of those driving emotions. There's also the inverse, right? Mm. Um, on the fear and anger, maybe you you point and say, "What are they doing? What's wrong with them?" But on the shame side, it's well, I don't want to collaborate or share because what I'm doing in my classroom is not that exciting because mm. I'm really dropping the ball. And but I don't have any energy to fix it. And so, why am I going to speak up and share? Um, or or try to collaborate because it's just going to make me feel worse yeah. about and then that's how just going to push you further into isolation as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's heavy. The, the other thing too that I recognized is um, when you when this is happening at a communal level, mm. when you have multiple people interacting with their own individualistic yeah. <laughs> burnout, and we're all kind of working with different narratives about the situation, um, it becomes a hot mess. Right. A hot mess. Right. And that, that's one of the next things that he brings up is that they become the, uh, the main people who are burnt out. Complaining seems to be their main form of oh. communication. Right. And what's so hard <laughs> with this one is that complaining is contagious. Yep. And it's kind of delicious. Yep. Like when you. It's cathartic. Yeah. It feels good. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're also in a, even in a semi-negative state, it just feels great to get in a circle and talk about how crappy everything mm-hmm. is. Right. Chris, you are, um, thanks. Yeah. That's uh, that's good convicting. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I left that environment mm-hmm. how bitter I had become mm-hmm. and how much, and I'm not going to point the fingers and say how much, you know, everybody else's negative emotion affected me. Um, it did affect me, yeah. but I invited it. And then I also contributed to it. And, um, yeah, um, there, there seems to be, I mean, those of you listening, man, you know, somebody in your community, whether it's at your school, at your church, whatever it is, you know, that person who, when you get around them, they're just going to go negative. And right. if you don't have that person in your life, like, chances are it's you, you're that person <laughs> in the group. Um, but yeah, that's hard. And then you get a bunch of us together. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And then it creates this this culture, which um, then it hurts my heart, <laughs> right? Which isn't about why we teach, right? Most of us don't teach for the sake of um, for the sake of a paycheck. We we got into this vocational, especially at a Christian school. Like yeah. some Christian schools pay better than others, but for the most part, um, we we are in this vocation because we care about mm-hmm. 
training and growing yeah. Yeah. the next generation. And so when it then becomes about complaining about admin or like these, the stupid kids in this grade or in mm. this particular class, then, then we're totally out of sync with why we even do this. Yeah. I, one of the things you said there too, that I, I think is important to acknowledge is, um, we, I, it becomes very easy for us to begin doing the us and them game again. Yeah. yeah. And so we don't, we don't recognize the disease inside of us, mm-hmm. the, the apathy, the, the hurt, the pain, uh, and the way that we're expressing it. We don't see it. Um, and so, but we see it in other people. Mm-hmm. And so then we, we, like you, you mentioned admin. So, if, you know, those of you listening again, yeah, if, if you work at a school, you know, there's this seems to be a constant tension and, and, Praise God, we're in a healthy environment, but there seems to be tension sometimes at places where it's it's the teachers versus admin, or if you're a youth pastor, it's like the youth program versus the adults, and right. or it's the left versus the right, or it's I mean, just we just we 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 look what is, what's the phrase the um, sympathy no misery loves company yeah we we look for those other wounded people around us who are willing to um, perpetuate a narrative that it's all about somebody else yeah. and it's their fault, um, which. I don't know about you, but I've never seen that narrative work out. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't end well. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And so, so addressing it and how we address it seems to be important. Yeah, and uh, kind of tied into those three that we mentioned, um, there was a study done by Roloff and Brown in, in 2011. Look oh, at, Roloff, yeah. Look at this is me citing my sources. <laughs> um, but three of the main, I guess, factor or main symptoms that they pointed out in their study is um, low morale, um, lower self-esteem, which we've kind of already hit yeah. on, and an actual physical exhaustion. Yeah. Um, and when you are physically exhausted, you have low self-esteem and low morale, and you're going to isolate yourself. You're going to yeah. stop collaborating. You're going to complain and be negative more often. Um, and also, there in, in some other studies that I was reading, I didn't write down their citations, so sorry. Um, but there are direct correlations between student achievement and teacher morale. Mm. Um, when teacher morale goes down, student achievement goes down as well. Uh, and so when, when we are yeah, angry, I've seen that happen in my own class, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> when we are angry and bitter and don't have the energy, when we are burning out, um, students aren't learning scripture as well. They're not learning Ken as well. And that's the, that's the thing I, I'd love for us to explore a little bit more today. Um, it took a while and it, and it took some really good mentors in my life to start pointing that stuff out, but it, when I'm burnt out, when I'm tired, when I'm experiencing that cycle, I, I heard you explaining a cycle and mm-hmm. this kind of cyclical nature of these things. Um, and it usually I, is around May. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. <laughs> April, May. But, but when we're in that, then yeah, how are we being good ambassadors of, of the text, of yeah. the kingdom? Um, you know, one of the things that we, we've talked about and talk about with colleagues as well is, is how do you remain authentic in your pursuit of God when you're so tired and you don't have the energy to pursue God? How how do you encourage others to pursue good, to choose good, to choose these things when we ourselves are experiencing some sort of itis? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, sort of something that you've frequently told me is, or, and you took this from one of your previous mentors is that Christianity is caught, not taught. Yeah. Um, And I think that the last point um, that Provenzano points out is that there's this loss of spark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even in, in his article, he sort of says, like, that's kind of an amorphous word that mm-hmm. what does it even mean? But when you are in the teaching profession or in the ministry profession, you know when someone has spark. Yeah. Um, there, there's, it, it's that thing that gets you up in the morning, that gives mm-hmm. you drive. It's, it's more than morale or motivation, but it's yeah. that thing that, that ignites in you when you talk about the kingdom of God yeah. or when you talk about. Um, a new activity that you're going to be doing or your subject or whatever. And uh, it's evident, not just to your, your colleagues, but to your students when spark is lost. Yeah. It seems like um, the authors of scripture um, often referred to hope. Yeah. Like in the midst of everything going on, you still have hope. You still, mm-hmm. that's, I, I often, and in <laughs> the last few months, as I've been reminding my students this, I, I recognize that I've really been reminding myself that, mm-hmm. man, as, as followers of Christ, we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. We are the most idealistic people on the planet. We actually believe that in the current just crap going on in the world, we actually believe that another world is possible, right. that there is this this future kingdom where, where things are, are good. Right. Um, Man, what happens when you talk about that for six months and then on month seven, you have no energy right. to sell that? 
Yeah, you've been trying to, to kindle a fire with that spark for an entire year, and then at the end you dump water on it um, by, by not having that spark anymore. Right? Guilty. Yeah, Guilty. same. Oof. How do you recognize burnout in your life? Mm. I start to get cynical um, when I approach different situations instead of assuming the best or instead of having grace on my heart, it tends to be justice-oriented, especially my interactions with students and even faculty. Sometimes when I see teachers around me, um, that's when I really know that it's, it's a burnout point. And then when you recognize burnout, what do you, do you have some steps that you take to rectify or address it? Yeah, um, I think depending on the situation of what caused me to manifest my burnout, um, first would be finding a good place, getting myself into a peaceful mindset, a reflective mindset. For me, that usually requires swimming or taking a long walk with music on. But uh, it definitely also is requisite that I read scripture and um, going into reflection on why I need to show the love of Christ and why I've reached this point where it's not showing in my day-to-day -day interactions and just reconfiguring my approach to schooling and whatever the burnout situation is. As a teacher, how do you recognize burnout? <laughs> when I come home and I need to drink three bottles of wine to survive. <laughs> okay. You're not really gonna put that in, are you? Yeah, how else? No, how, you're how, not. How else do you recognize burnout? Um, when I feel like I have nothing left to give to the students, um, I find myself getting upset easily, um, irritated by dumb things. Um, when I despair really easy, um, and when I have really big bags under my eyes. <laughs> and then how do you deal with burnout? I think I probably talk to people a lot about it. Um, to vent um, <laughs> and I try to prioritize and look at the things that um, can wait and I do the urgent things first um, and then make myself rest so that I can continue giving to people my efforts and time. Science Beto. Uh, <laughs> When you, how do you recognize, first of all, how do you recognize burnout in your life? Uh, nothing seems to bring me joy, especially the things that have done so in the past. Um, and then how do I deal with it? Yeah. Usually just trying to take some kind of a break where I can just really detach from a lot of things, clear, clearing out a lot of stuff that's like on my plate and stuff to be able to sort of re, recharge and like realign stuff. So these are the symptoms, right? And I think that it's not just those of us in education or not just those of us who are in ministry, um, but I think burnout happens in life, yeah. right? Um, and I, we, one of, we, we put out a, a Facebook um, and a Twitter blast. And one of the things that someone, someone said, um, it's, how to avoid burnout? Like, yeah. can, can you avoid burnout? Yeah. Or, There's no avoiding it, right? Yeah, it's just like, so what do we do So how do we it? navigate it maybe is the yeah. healthier way to discuss this. Yeah. Um, and, and if we do want to talk avoiding, I think not completely avoiding, but we can at least get to, okay, why does burnout happen, right? Yeah. What are those causes? What are those things that, that create burnout in our lives? Because either if we're going to respond to it or try to avoid it, we need to know what are some of those things right. that are creating burnout in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, can I, can I read a, a question that we got from, uh, from Jason? Sure. Yeah. So this is a shout out to Jason Brown. Um, uh, here, here's his question uh, on burnout specifically. As a college ministry leader, I've been struggling a lot this year with pouring into others while feeling spiritually disconnected myself. Mm. My prayer of, I believe, help my unbelief persists, but a lot of times I don't feel spiritually full, all caps on the feel. <laughs> How do you lead well in seasons when intellectually you want to serve God well, but a disconnect in your own heart makes this difficult? So Jason, uh, we feel you. We have been there and... Um, 
let, let me start with this. I don't know if we have uh, an easy, you know, three uh, three step solution. Right. Um, but uh, having gone through those steps that that Chris just shared, um, may, maybe we can talk about um, how do we address the symptoms when we see them. How do we do that in a healthy way? Um, so let's just let's just jump into that. Um, so so symptoms. Yeah. Well, I I think that even before um, getting into like some of the solution of those yeah. symptoms, like there both churches and Christian schools, or not even Christian schools, private schools, um, sort of have something in common in that they are com- competing for market share. We talked about mm. this before, like competition is built into these institutions. Um, and with that, um, you are constantly changing things so that you can have the mass, the, the greatest amount of appeal. Mm. Um, and as our kids are changing, we are also trying to change our approach, change our ministry. And I, one of the things that I looked into a lot um, when I w- when I was studying was the the impact of change initiatives. Mm. When I um, two years ago, um, when I was doing some research, um, I was taking a look at our school, and we had thirteen brand new change initiatives yep. that had occurred that year um, between the implementation of iPads and starting blogs and all of these things put together. When there are so many change initiatives, overwhelmed. It is. We are overwhelmed, and even the neuroscience of change is fascinating. Like mm. change itself, for most people, um, it triggers the amygdala. It triggers our fear response, the, the fight or flight spot. Right, the yeah. part in our brain that actually stores negative experiences and mm. says avoid that. That part of our brain lights up when with all the change. Yeah, when institutions change. Can I throw something in there really quick? Yeah. So I, I've kind of ambiguously uh, talked about this this former place that I came from. They're healthy now, praise God, but. Um, in a four-year period, there were 84 staff and faculty that, that came in and left in a four-year yeah. period. 84 people. Right. Not to mention all the institutional change. Mm-hmm. So just, just that alone. Yeah. Of course you're going to get burnout. Of course you're going to get fatigue. Of course you're going to get bitter. Of right. course you're going to have fear. Of course your mind is going to run wild with all these things. Mm-hmm. And so... We know what, what that path leads to. We know it leads to destruction. It leads to division. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen communities crumble as a result of these things once it, once it gets in there. So, so what, what do we do from the get-go so that we don't get so far where we have to throw up the, the white flag, you know? Right. Yeah, and I think part of what is just awareness, yeah. right? When in, in most schools, especially Christian schools, we're small enough that we, we can talk to our leaders, yeah. right? And Praise God. when we can talk to our leaders, we can say things like, hey, I, there's a lot of change that's going yeah. on. Could, are there some a few core things that we are going to focus on? Mm. Um, they, the, that study I mentioned before by Roloff and Brown, um, I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> extra role activities mm. um, was the main thing that they pointed to for burning teachers out. Huh. Um, extra role activities. So not like the thing that doesn't burn us out. We don't get burnt out from interacting with students, helping them on homework, um, talking to them at lunch. Those are not the things that burn us out. The it's things the that burn extra. us out is the extra, mm. the stuff that is outside of what it means to be a teacher, um, yeah. whether it's having a certain type of lesson plan or redoing um, curriculum mapping or <laughs> <laughs> too close to home, yeah. um, or if it's like being at certain events or right. especially in, in the private school setting, there's a lot of those quote unquote extra role activities. Right. Different hats we have to wear yeah. because we're limited. And man, if you work at a church, you know exactly. And if you're in the youth program at a church, you know yeah, what we're talking about. Exactly. Cause you have every role, right? You, uh, and as, as Jason was mentioning college, college ministry, I'm sure that Jeez. he isn't just getting to hang out with college students all the time no. there's there's other things that get thrown on the plate that have nothing to do with why we're in the profession right now those things need to be done correct right but i think that being aware of the fact that this can be one of the things that robs us of our joy of our spark is really important for us individually because then it helps us prioritize and it's good for us to communicate with the people who are making those decisions to say hey um you if, if enough of us voice, hey, we, we might be starting to burn out here, um, then that, that causes them to reflect. Even I even think about my students. When I give an assessment and everyone gets an F on it, mm. I can't say... It's all their fault, it's right? It's all yeah. the students' fault. They're just dumb. Like, I must have like, done something yeah. that, that maybe uh, I didn't teach it correctly. And so if a bunch of... If the entire faculty is saying I'm burnt out from extra role activities, then... Yeah, the same thing. As an institution, we, we need to sort of 
take a step back and look and say, okay, maybe we need, it's time to dial back so that we can do what we're here for. Yeah. So that, that's uh, as an idealist and optimist, that sounds really great to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, I think that that, that assumes that there are healthy leaders and yeah. again, I, I think we're really blessed. We're yeah. lucky right now to, to be in a place where, where we're so healthy. We have leaders. I think that that would accept those things if we came to them. Right. Um, what, let, let's be honest, though. Yeah. Um, it's, it's rare that you have an entire group of healthy leaders. Right. And so um, what are some of the maybe small steps when it talks about, we talk about isolation, right, mm-hmm. is the first step. We notice ourselves isolating. What are some, what are some practical ways that we can address some of that. So if you're in a healthy environment, what I'm hearing you say, and I, I totally affirm that, that we go and we talk to our leaders um, and, and, and we address yeah. them. And, and yeah, if you got that, praise God, do everything you can to maintain it and contribute to it mm-hmm. to keep it. But um, when you can't, what are, what are some steps? Well, I think one of the first steps is if you can't say no to admin um, or to uh, your senior pastor or whoever is in leadership over you, I think sometimes you still need to say no. Um, which may mean that you have a hard conversation later. Um, But if you know vocationally that your goal is to train people into loving Jesus more and that you know that by doing said activity, it will drain you so much so that you will not be able to do your job, sometimes it requires saying, I, sorry, I'm going to get the lesson plans in on Tuesday. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's big. Um, at, at our, at the school I was at, um, the, the headmaster that they brought in was, um, world renowned. I mean, just, just a wonderful man. And he ran a couple universities and Mm. they brought him in and he, he talked about that. He said, some, sometimes you need to go and address people and sometimes you need to go and speak truth and love and, um, what I loved there is he didn't he didn't sugarcoat it and say hey if you just go address people or if you if you stand up and say no or if you do these things not everything's going to be hunky dory sometimes you're going to get your head this was his phrase you might walk out of that office with your head on a platter mm-hmm. um, you, you but the alternative is um, you don't speak truth you right. don't speak up and you do burn out and in in that burnout especially for for those of us in leadership positions or when we're mm-hmm. speaking into young lives then you can like you said you can no longer be effective and so right and i take that with me that idea of like man i might walk out of this meeting with my my head on a platter but if i don't say it right yeah and we keep referring to james 3:1 but woe to you who are teachers yeah. um because we will be judged Doubly, and for in the high school setting, since we have people cycling through our classes, that means there's, and for us on <laughs> average, between 100 and 150 lives um, okay. that if we burn out, um, yep. we are letting them down. Yeah. Right? We, we That's are, heavy, dude. We, yeah, we're not allowing them <laughs> to catch the divine spark. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so... So sometimes saying no. Sometimes saying no. Okay. I think um, as far as the isolation and... I think that with the symptoms, if we just treat the symptoms and say, instead of being isolated, go hang out with people. But if you're burnt out, then... <laughs> no, that's just going to reinforce it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I think getting to these underlying conditions is really mm. important. And sometimes, I mean, we mentioned these institutional things, but sometimes I think it's something as simple as lack of sleep. Mm. We need sleep. Um, and I could we could look at a bunch of those studies that say exactly how our brain functions on less than five hours of sleep. One of my students recently, um, he's kind of a, he's kind of a neuroscience. I know who you're talking about. Um, He was recently saying that, um, getting less than four hours of sleep, um, a certain number of nights in a row can cause irreversible brain damage. Um, or not brain damage, but that sounds, but yes, it it, can change your, your, your brain chemistry. Exactly. Long term. Yeah. change like irreversible and so thinking especially when you assign that big paper mm-hmm. um or when there's that event that you're planning for and you find that you're getting four hours asleep each night because you're trying to juggle all of these things sometimes um i think being faithful means sleeping yeah right because yeah. It, it could be as much as it can be the emotional, vocational, situational that burns us out. It can also be the physiological. The, yep. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? And, and shout out again to our healthy community here okay. who just recently um, decided that for every 
you know, day that we're doing a retreat or we're out yeah. like, you know, I do this Guatemala trip or you do Mexicali mm-hmm. or we're doing these other trips, that they're they're recognizing that and, and giving us comp days to um, – I don't even call it a comp day. I'll call it a recoup day. Yeah. That they, that they recognize the importance of their teachers and those people on the front line. They recognize the importance of us having rest mm-hmm. and feeling valued in that way. Um, yeah. So those of you in the up up <laughs> leadership, man, there's a great idea right there just to, to show value to your your peeps. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that on the, the teacher side or the receiving side, there's also responsibility that comes with that. Sleep. Yeah. Sleep. Just make sure that you do it. Because yeah. even even on a personal day, I think the temptation is like, okay, well then I'm gonna go to Disneyland on my personal day, which can be like five times more draining sometimes than that thought never comes home. into my mind. So <laughs> if, I, if I have a free day, I'm like, okay, we're going up to the mountains. We're going to the beach. Yeah. yeah. But I think that that's even something I tell my students before spring break. Because spring break, um, our school currently follows the, the Easter calendar, so it fluctuates. This year was a late Easter yeah, year. Yeah, it was um, rough. So students were super burnt out before spring break. But I had to encourage them. Just because you're not coming to school for a week doesn't mean you're going to recover. Yeah, uh, we need to do intentional activities mm. that we know give us life. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we've got uh, we have too much change. Too much change. Say no. Extra role activity. Extra role. <laughs> Lack of sleep. Sleep. Um, I think another one that ca- kind of flies under the radar um, is the things that we eat and drink. Yeah. Um, and I know that that resonates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I maybe as I age because I feel like in college it did. I felt I, like I was invincible. You know what I mean? Like I could. Yeah, eat. like you could have a thousand milligrams of sodium a day because you're living on top ramen. Right. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I could go eat um, twelve Jack in the Box tacos at three a.m. and yeah. then wake up at and a Red sleep. Bull and coffee at night. Don't they don't mess me up? Right. Exactly. Um, uh, but I am now sober enough to know that that is not reality. Um, yeah. yeah. That um, the things that we eat and drink actually can cause burnout. If we're, mm. And I find that they sometimes they are not, I was going to say yin and yang, but that's not right. But it, it's kind of a chicken or the egg. Like, is it my, is it my burnout that causes me to eat? And, I'll say yes. And drink I'll terrible? say yes. I'll say yes. And, and, and um, I've been through through multiple you know chapters of trauma, and I can tell you the most recent. I, I've mentioned it a couple times about my wife uh, a couple years ago having a brain tumor. Man, I, I was done. I was living on adrenaline, and no joke, dude. Like by the end of the day, uh, around eleven o'clock at night, um, I was living on corn dogs. Wiener Schnitzel's down the street. They're yeah. open. I'm tired. I'm just like feeling like I just want a dirty meal. And for me personally, I would say yes. If I if I'm eating bad, I can look back and see the causes because I'm tired. Right. Yeah. I don't have the energy to even eat healthy. Right. And no one <laughs> feels great after eating a corn dog. Uh well, okay. temp- temporarily too. When they're nice and crunchy and the yeah. mustard. Well, I'm more of a chili dog guy. But yeah. Okay. When when I commit to eating, um, oh the three for three thirty three deal, the Dude. chili dog, Dude. chili cheese dog, chili cheese fry, and Dude. chili cheese burger. Yep. When I eat that i'm committing to like yes i'm going to receive a dopamine hit right now yep but i'm going to pay for it it's like later. a food honeymoon yeah <laughs> well I, you pay for it later i don't okay that's weird. oh not not that part okay <laughs> um but but yeah, yeah. I, I think that the that there is that can be part of the downward spiral is we're burnt out um, so we eat things, drink things, and do things that, that Don't drain get sleep. us. I love that you're bringing that up too, Chris, because very often I think in our Christian culture, it's like, well, just pray or just get in the word, you know, and, and yeah, I, I might be able to feed my soul, but if I'm not getting physical rest and I'm not yeah. eating good food, then man, even that idea of just read scripture when it doesn't digest, yeah. when, when I'm not feeling like I'm getting nutrition from Scripture as a result of those things, yeah, i got to start looking outside of that, huh? Yeah. Interesting. And so interestingly enough, I think that when it comes to burnout, diet and exercise actually might Dude. be part of the solution. Yeah. Right? Taking that walk. You mentioned going up to the mountains. Yep, go for a walk. Yeah. It, or go for a drive. My, my things go for a drive. Yeah. Let the wind let the, let the windows down. Drive up there. Get my, get my thoughts out. Sometimes I yell at God. Hmm. Uh, oftentimes, I, I think he might yell back. He's kind of sarcastic when when he talks to me. I think I need that. But, but yeah, just just getting away and just mm-hmm. just being and and um, there's something about removing myself from whatever the routine is that allows me to maybe address um, those feelings uh, or or the the angst that I'm experiencing. And that that would actually be one of the ones that I would throw out um, in terms of um, how to how to recognize when you're starting to burn out. 
And I'm going to say that this really this takes some some mature uh, and like kind of dedication uh, to growth uh, kind of Christianity. Uh, and and here, here's here's what I've learned, unfortunately, the hard way. Um, when I start to become impatient, so for me, usually it's it's my spouse. Mm. She is the safest person. We've made this covenant in front of people that for better or for worse. And so um, I don't know about you and your marriage, but oftentimes in my marriage, I'm willing to allow myself to be the worst because she's not going anywhere. Right. And I don't mean that like any sort of like jerky way. But but, right, but I think even subconsciously we do that. That's why yep. that's why kids can we can have kids in our classes that are so nice. Um, but then you talk to their parents and they're like, what? Yeah. Mike right. is nice. Right, right. And so, so, yeah. Um, so one of the things I notice is, um, if I'm really, if, if I'm easily offended, this, this is one I would, I th- would throw out for everybody to hear. Um, notice how easily you get offended by someone. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you're so sick with this, um, that just the, the mere presence of somebody walking into your room or walking into a conversation, um, you can be offended. Like, here we go. And you're, you're already ready for it. And so I notice I become hypercritical and easily offended and impatient with, with my wife is the one I see at first. And then I just see it everywhere where it trickles down. And so being able to say, okay, where's that coming from? And usually for me, it's on a drive and that comes up and I'm like, I start to recognize, wow, okay, I've been really impatient lately. I've been mm-hmm. this, what's going on with my heart? Because that is a reflection of what's going on inside of me internally. Right. right? And, and the idea of symptoms, um, the, the symptom is not the problem. It's the underlying condition. That's the, problem. that's it. But we like in everything else in, in our, in our political narrative, in our, in our, in our country, in the social narrative, we, we want to address symptoms. Right. And, and then even here's the crazy thing for us Christians, the guy that we follow, right? Like when, when Jesus comes to earth and talks, how often is he like, okay, I'm not going to talk about the symptom. I want to talk about the root cause. Right. I want to talk about your heart. Don't clean the outside of the cup. Yeah. Clean the inside of the cup. Right. And so, so you know, brothers and sisters out there, when, when you start to feel um, isolated and you start to feel those kind of things, um, th- there, there's something to think about right there. Are you going to maybe do the simple prescription mm. of just do a couple more Christian things and maybe you'll feel better and it'll convince the inner man? Or... Do you want to grow? And are you willing to open yourself up and, and, man, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, what are these emotions? Where is this stuff coming from? Um, the psalmist even says, like, search my heart, God, and the, even the good that I'm doing. Mm. Like, check my motive. Where, where is the motive for these things that I'm doing? Um, it's a scary prayer. It's a scary reflection, yeah. but it's one that leads to growth. And if you're not putting yourself in those positions, then then how are you expected to grow? Right. And I think that you pointed out that sort of God is our ideal accountability partner. But yeah. um, sometimes when we are in burnout mode, we can't hear his voice and we yeah. can't see. And I think that the idea of community is so important. Um, having trusted other people um, that we can go to um, and having peers and even colleagues are our fellow faculty members who who is going to understand your plight as well as someone else who is in your faculty. Now, um, those of you who are admin in leadership positions, I I think that there are so many pastors that are atheists in the pulpit. Mm. Um, So many pastors that don't believe the things that they're saying because they've burnt out and they have no one. Who do they go to? Yeah. Our superintendents or principals and, once you get to these higher levels in an institution, the need for community doesn't disappear. And so it right. just means that you have to be more authentic about it. One, um, a close friend of ours, uh, he, he was a former pastor, but he meets on a regular basis with a group of pastors from other churches. Yeah. Um, but it takes a little bit more intention to do so. But if you don't have that community, then... When you start to burn out, when you can't right. hear the voice of God, you need those people in your life to help right. you hear. That's right. And I think that that's, um, that's huge. Again, it requires a commitment to growth. Right. And if you are in leadership, if you are speaking into other people's lives, then you need to be committed to growth yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, so make that resolution. Um, sometimes we only allow one or two people. Right. In you know what I mean uh-huh. that transparency and, and so listen to them. Um, as you were talking, Chris, you reminded me of, um, of, of the eighty four people that came and went at my last institution. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them on their way out said, 
don't stop listening to your prophets. Don't, don't stop listening to the people speaking truth in your community. Yeah. And so here's another thing, and, I, and I, I feel like you kind of alluded to this earlier, but if you're hearing from a lot of people uh, maybe some critical things about you, I, I get it. I, I, I want to get self-righteous and defensive, but, yeah. but maybe just maybe people are saying things. And, and whether it's about you or it's about the situation, um, listen to the people who are, who are wise, who are older than you, who have more experience with the Father, who are speaking truth. Right. Um, and, and truth, yeah. just like the, the prophets, truth sometimes means... Like, if you go down this path, you will have more destruction and locusts will eat your crops. And you might get uh, your head handed to you exactly. on a plate. <laughs> but then uh, on the flip side, we also have the the messianic visions mm. that the prophets had that said, no, no, no. But then here's the hope. Here are the good things. And yeah. so if you find that you are in a super negative place and everyone around you is speaking truth saying, no, but there's so much good to see, then maybe that it is the positive message of the prophets that you need mm. to hear. Um, if you think you're doing fine in your teaching practice, in your preaching, in your um, working with students or whoever, but you're the only voice that seems to think that you're doing fine, mm. um, then maybe that is also a check in your spirit that says maybe locusts will devour your crops yeah. um, and maybe your head will be on a platter. If, and that's an opportunity to mature. Right. Because if you, th- yeah, if, if all the voices are saying something and, and you have a different story in your right. mind, man, as much as you feel vindicated, um, I feel like these words are for me right now, um, check your pride. Mm-hmm. Crucify your pride, yeah, and, and 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 learn humility. And and unfortunately, some of us have to learn the hard way right. to learn that humility. Um, and we're and yeah. we're not just talking about going along with the the majority influence. We're talking about those trusted others, those yeah. godly people who you know are seriously wise. those one or two. <laughs> yeah, th- those people. But but if even from them you're hearing. Um, some consistent messages that you don't like, then then maybe it's time to look at the underlying conditions yeah. of why you don't like it. Yeah, and you brought up something there, Chris. So, for those of us in this conversation that, that these things are resonating, um, how do we then get up in front of students who are also um, potentially experiencing some similar, mm-hmm. you know, symptoms, um, but are, still need us to be authentic uh, in our teaching and our guidance? How do we remain authentic? Um, I mean, this almost goes back to like Jason's question. Right. Um, you know, in my mind, I know that I want this, but in my soul, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm spiritual. So how, how do we, I guess partially what I'm asking there too is like how transparent are we? Mm. Um, between the two of us, um, I, I have a tendency to be over-transparent. Right. And I'm always impressed with your ability to, um, I don't want to say compartmentalize, but, but to be able to like not show some of those things. Right. How do we do it and still remain authentic? Because these kids can smell it. Yeah. When, when we're being fake, they know it. They've had enough fake Christianity. So, right. so what do we do? Yeah, I, I think that... <laughs> do you have the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I think that part of it is what you do, um, and that is being authentic. Mm. I think that we don't tell them everything, um, because <laughs> as we mentioned in the doubt episode, that there are probably some things that if we put it on their radar might crush them because they're not ready for yeah, it. Yeah, doubt, right? doubts in our stage of life are probably different than, than their doubts. Yes, exactly. Or at least the way that we engage those doubts, right? Right. Some people, they might not be ready to, to process the doubt yeah. that we are currently yeah. experiencing. Um, so in the same way, I think that we, we can be authentic with them um, mm. and say, I'm, I'm currently going through Tired. a dry spell. Yeah. Um, and I think that in the authenticity, we then add the word but. Yeah. Um, because I think that we, we get this model, even in scripture, that in spite of the dry spells, we can say but. Yeah, Chris, but I, I've heard you do that recently with a student uh, that we've been talking with and um, going through burnout. And, uh, you know, sometimes we refer to this, this phrase, the dark night of the soul. Right. And, um, you know, what that looks like for a teenager and for those of us in our 40s might look different. But... Um, I don't want to minimize it nonetheless, but one of the things that I love that you did in that discussion was like, yeah, look, look at, look at the Psalms. How many of them are like, where are you at? What's going on? You know, to summarize it, I'm burnt out. Everybody who's doing the wrong thing is winning. I'm right. doing the right thing and I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm tired, but, but you God. And, and, and the thing that I, I loved that you did in that conversation is you directed the student back to the heart of God or to the character mm-hmm. of God which seems to be something that we really try to do in, in, in our teaching is not examining the text just um, for individual little verses, but like what does this text reveal about God and his character? Right. So in spite of what you are experiencing and feeling, if you kind of know 
God's character. There's there's our but, right? right. There, there's our but. I do have, and that goes back to what we're saying. I do have that hope. Yeah, I do believe that that this will not. This is not forever. Yeah, this and, is this is going to change. And kind of like Jason was saying, sometimes it's only the cognitive that is going to pull you through that, right? Like that. I cognitively know that God is good and trustworthy, and he this this time of burnout, this time of darkness is temporary. Yeah. Um, that, that, and we can only know that in our minds, but then we might not feel that. We might not feel emotions. it. And I, man, I'm so glad you just brought that up, Chris, because, man, we, in, with my juniors uh, and even my freshmen a little bit, we have been going through this idea of love for enemy. Um, when Jesus tells us to, to pray for those who persecute you, you know, to, to look that person who just hit you and look them in the eye and, and turn the other cheek and offering that up to them. Um, there is a falsehood in our in our Christian family that we are supposed to be cheery and happy, and yeah. Jesus is this soft little guy with a with a lamb, and he just wants you to feel good about everybody. And we would we would be perpetuating that falsehood right. if we didn't address it right now. And, and, and I mean, here, here's something because I, I heard you say it: it's a choice. Yeah. When when Jesus says to love your enemy, agape is not a feeling. It is not love the way. The television, the music, I mean, all of, I sound like an old person. The television and the music. <laughs> these kids. These kids, music. these youths. Um, but, but he's not saying have warm feelings, feel optimistic about that person. No, he's mm-hmm. saying, no, choose. agape is a choice mm-hmm. and, and it's a verb, right? I mean, it, it is an action. So it's, it's choosing to act a certain way. And embodying That's that, huge. Yeah, <laughs> authenticity, like with our students, what that shows them is, Yes, sometimes I feel off as well, but I still choose, yeah. right? I still choose good. I still choose life, despite the fact that I don't feel like choosing life. Because I think that when we perpetuate that that story that you were saying, they then feel licensed. Okay, I'll choose life when I feel like life, and I'll choose right. death when I feel like death. Right, except what, we're, what we see over and over in Scripture is, is that, that he wants our whole entire heart. Exactly. Even the parts of my heart that doubt and fear and are angry yep. and are hurt. Yeah. Um, man. <laughs> and so, yeah. And, and I think what's important is, yes, that authenticity is good, but you, you mentioned a word a couple of times and that is temporary. Yeah. Um, and so burnout should be temporary. Right. And so that's why I think it's okay to, to model this for our students and say, this is how we work through it and stay faithful despite being tired and burnt out. But if, if we are not doing things to help make burnout only temporary and not a consistent feature of our lives, mm. then then we might be teaching them something else, which might be that if you choose life, it's boring and dark and terrible for always. And you can bounce when you're when you're done. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to to yeah, one of those mentors. Um, shout out to uh, to Newkirk. Um, caught not taught. Yeah. And so burnout is reality, stress is reality. Hardships are reality. Um, those things are, are, are coming. We're, we, right. we're not teaching our kids to avoid those things. Those things are coming. So as teachers, knowing that it's caught, not taught, how we navigate, and this isn't to put more pressure on us. So here, here's what I, I, hopefully, those of you listening, you can kind of hear the freedom in this. Don't feel like you have to be fake. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to put on the Christian face. Um, the Shema reminds us, right, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength. If our heart and our mind and our strength isn't always in it, we can still choose to love and pursue God in spite of it. And right. I think that can be caught by our students. Yeah, absolutely. And so how do we get our – I think that maybe the last thing we could talk about is is two things – maybe you have another one – two things that have really – um, resonated with me as far as making sure that burnout is only temporary. Um, one of those is just figuring out what it is that gives me life. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, um, that is actually a really hard question because I, I'm a very dutiful person. Uh, <laughs> and so finding out the things that energize me and give me more life um, has taken a lot more introspection. Yeah. Um, and there's no things that I can... I can give you that'll be like, these are the things that will give you life. Um, no, it's your own. It's a, yeah. it's a subjective list. <laughs> there's, a, there's a sermon by, by Matt Chandler um, that our supervisor actually show, um, showed us that talked about, okay, what is it that stirs your affections for Jesus? Yeah. And for him, it's like going to graveyards and fresh brewed coffee and loud music. Um, and that totally... Well, like Simultaneously? Are, um, those are different things. I was going to say, that guy's rad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but only one of those, like coffee yeah, works for me. Yeah. But, but even then, maybe that's just my addiction. Um, <laughs> but what I have found is, for me, 
like really new ideas. And so listening to some like controversial podcast while taking a jog, like that will give me life and energy. Yeah, didn't you tell me um, you did that recently and like you actually shed a tear? Yeah. You actually felt emotion. Right. Yeah. That was the first time in about a decade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there are these things that give you life and you are the only one who's going to be able to figure out what that Perfect. is. Perfect. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, when I have kids, um, I, I experienced this a lot at my other school. It was a very like performance driven school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that here too with a lot of our students, right? One of the things I used to do was have them make a list. Before we even have more discussion, you know, they come come to us, right? Like as counselors, like tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, make a list of, of all the things that you are interacting with, all all your activities, and I want you to just put them into two categories: life draining and life giving. Yeah. Um. And and then it seems like they kind of have a little map in front of them when they're done. Like, okay, so these things that are are life draining, some of those things have to be done. Like right. homework is life draining, but if you don't do homework, you get a, a fail, right. and your parents are paying a lot of money, so let's not do that. But is there room? Are there areas there to take things off your plate that are, are life draining? It goes back to what you're saying, Chris, about saying no to things. Yeah. Um, and do you, can you then have more energy to put into something else on the other side of the list? Right. Um, and that does not go just for students, does it? Yeah. That that is that's probably a Absolutely. good thing all of us adults could do. Yeah. And and I think that creating space for that sort of exploration is really important because sometimes it feels like we don't have time to even do that sort of investigation. <laughs> and so creating space, I think is super important. Um, and so the other thing that I found helpful is, is Sabbath. Mm. Um, and when, when we talk about Sabbath, like the easiest definition that I've gotten, because people with, with Sabbath, it, it's all over the place. I'm reading a book by Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, he is a, he is a Jewish man, or he was a Jewish man from the 50s who wrote about this. Baruch Hashem. Yeah. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. <laughs> um, so, but one of the things that he, he points out um, in the Sabbath, um, first of all, is Sabbath is not a means to an end. Hmm. Um, that I think sometimes I, I, look, I used to look at Sabbath as I need Sabbath, I need to rest, I need to not do productive activity so that I can then be more productive in mm. my week. Sort of transaction. Yeah, it's, going it's almost on. like Sabbath is just a, a way to get back to the other six days. Mm. Um, but what I discovered is that when I did that, I was angry because I, I was like, no, this is supposed to be regenerated. And there's all this pressure on me to feel regenerated from just resting. I bet you that's uh, how the Pharisees felt. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and, and so as a result, I realized that. Um, in reading this book, he's like, no, it is not a means to an end, but Sabbath is an end, right? Mm. It is the first thing that God calls, um, or the first thing that God calls holy in the Bible is is that Sabbath day. And so I think... There should be a really good dramatic pause. You guys should all just kind of let that sit in your mind for a moment. The first thing he calls holy is Sabbath, yeah, and, rest. And <laughs> in this book, um, Heschel says that, um, a beautiful quote, he says that, he who is unable to enjoy the Sabbath will be unable to enjoy eternity. Um, and so with Sabbath, I, I'm not trying to wow. prescribe it like here's a pill to fix your burnout. Um, but if you are not keeping Sabbath, then what you are doing um, is you are preventing yourself from being able to recognize and connect with God. Um, you're preventing yourself from being able to sit in his presence yeah. and contemplate him. Um, because you're not creating that space. That's so huge, Chris. I'm 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 smirking right now because I'm thinking of of all throughout this podcast we've mentioned some things to do, yeah. and it seems like they all fall into Sabbath, right? Right. Being healthy with what you're putting in your body, like you 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 have to be a little bit more intentional on Sabbath. And right. Not saying that we're going to follow all the all the rules there, but be a little more intentional and in, in finding rest for your body, right. and probably doing it with other people. Yeah. And there's community there, and mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Do we need a Sabbath podcast? <laughs> we might. Yeah. And, and I mean, for the sake of now, before the Sabbath podcast, what we're not saying is that you have to be legalistic like the Pharisees. But Wait till it, sundown. Yeah. <laughs> but, if, but if you are not creating space yeah. to just be in the presence of God, to do things that give you life, and to intentionally not be productive. Yeah. Right, because if you're using Sabbath as a way to increase your productivity in the rest of the week, then you're doing it wrong because you're using it as part of your productive. Right, machine. yeah, it's there's a there's an end goal, uh, or or even this idea of like brain farting. I just want to turn my brain off, and when we do that, we say we want to watch something on the show, we want to play some games. Um, my pastor this this last weekend, he says, "I I dare you 
to whatever whatever news you listen to, I dare you for a week to just stop listening. And he says, I guarantee you that you're just going to feel better. Yeah. Just even just unplug for a little bit. Like don't yeah. – like just unplug from those narratives that are going on. So maybe Sabbath means just for some of us, it's just setting down tech for a 24-hour period and, right. and just kind of being fully present. And yeah. there's and, so much there, right? And so for teachers or college – for for Jason, for <laughs> um, for other people who – are in ministry, like that might mean saying no to answering your phone yeah. on a day. Where, yeah. Because even as much as we exist, um, our, or our vocational purpose is to help people, that sometimes is work and productive. And so maybe for a day, it's just setting those things down to mm. say, I'm going to trust that God can run the universe and save people for a 24-hour period without me. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. And so hopefully in practicing Sabbath and finding those things that give you life and even recognizing your own burnout, um, hopefully we can then be the type of people who are able to, to rekindle that fire, to, to continue that divine spark, and, and maybe this faith can be caught. Yeah, and, and we can actually be the most optimistic, idealistic people because we do believe something is coming that's better. Amen. Amen. Shalom.